Well, I, I really want to say on, uh, on behalf of Glenda and myself, we really are missing you now, and it feels too long to be apart, and we, we just want to say we love you, and uh, we're thinking about you, we are praying for you every single day, and uh, it's such a joy to be able to still preach to you, it's such an honor, and uh, I know Sean needs to do some preaching as well, but um, we, uh, we are, we're in a flow of the supernatural here. And uh, we just want to thank Priscilla who's sitting in the other room translating for Chinese people. And I know that she's doing a good job. But anyway, are we ready for the Word of God? Are we ready to receive something? I want to talk today about the Holy Spirit hugging you. And I'm going to show you from Scripture, this is good theology, that the Holy Spirit has the capacity to hug you and to put His arms around you in a way that will bring you into a conscious connection with God. Now last week when I was preaching on the power of the resurrection, that the resurrection isn't just a day in a calendar, a resurrection is escalating, increasing demonstration of the power of God upon our lives. And if you missed that message, you really need to go back because uh, we preached it here for City Church <clears throat> and five churches around South Africa were listening online last week. And uh, right at the end when I was uh, closing and I began to give words of knowledge that lumps were disappearing, tumors and bumps were going, shoulders were being healed, and I called out a number of healings and miracles. And um, God spoke to me on the Saturday before the Sunday, and he said, before 24 hours after you preach, you will hear testimonies and feedbacks of amazing miracles that happened through the technology into people's homes, into their rooms, where they're under lockdown or quarantine, and miracles will be told of you. Now, so let me tell you about this amazing miracle that happened while I was preaching last week. Let me say it again, while I was preaching. Didn't lay hands on the people. It came through the technology, and I'm gonna explain how we're gonna see many blind eyes open, many deaf ears open, many cripples walk, many cancers disappear, and many people healed of all kinds of diseases, including corona. We're gonna see the greatest move of God that we've ever walked in in our lives. We're gonna see the reality of what Peter and John could say, such as we have, we give to you. This is the authority and the power of the resurrection operating in us. That speaking through a camera, through technology, went into a lounge or a room in South Africa. And a lady by the name of Juliet, who's a beautiful lady in her 30s, has three children. And I, I can speak with authority on this because we are very close friends of the family. Her mom and dad are Alec and Jackie Marat. And... Uh, the, her parents found us, they were weeping, they could hardly talk. And finally, uh, uh, Juliet gave us a voice message and told us very clearly that while I was speaking last Sunday from here in Hong Kong, the power of God came upon her. She was covered with a consciousness of God. When you're covered with a consciousness of God in your soul, in your mind, in your emotions, in your physical body, you can grab miracles easy. Your brain is not trying to rationalize how miracles can happen. That's the biggest hindrance. Your brain trying to work out how a blind eye can open, how, things can, how lumps can disappear. And she came under this power of God sitting 
in her own room in South Africa, thousands of miles away from where I was preaching. And she, she, she started to convulse and she felt this glorious presence of God's love over her. And she had had carpal tunnel syndrome in her wrist. And out of that had grown a very big lump. She's given us photographs of the lump and photographs after the lump disappeared. And while the fire of God and the glory and the Holy Spirit was upon her, she said, Lord, I want to see this thing disappeared. And the whole lump disappeared completely. And you see the before photographs, very clear lump, big one. That concerned the doctors, big lump. Straight away, afterwards, no lump at all. Now, I know those photographs that she sent us are real, not fake, because I know this family well. Others spoke about God came upon their locked shoulders or painful shoulders, and they were instantly healed. We're going to see this happen here today in Hong Kong and in other parts of the world where this has been streamed online and recorded for people to listen to for weeks. So I want to talk to you today about how the Holy Spirit hugs you. You see, when you have a consciousness of the supernatural love and power of God, your brain stops trying to figure out how God does things, and you just receive the miracle. Everyone say receive. You receive the miracle. You know, that big bump in Juliet's hand, your scientific brain may ask, where did that bump go? How can solid substance of matter disappear? Where does it go to? I don't care where it goes to. I don't care if I, you will never understand it scientifically. Science knows something about quantum physics, but science cannot explain how substance and matter can literally de-exist, deactivate and de-manifest. That's our God. And our God can make lumps and cancer and growth disappear into nothingness if you will allow the Holy Spirit to embrace you. And his creative power can put new organs into places where those organs are missing or not functioning. Don't try to figure it out. Let the Holy Spirit hug you. Now I'm going to go into something today that's going to make you very susceptible in a receptive, sensitive way to how God's power and his glory can come upon you in such a miraculous power. Here's the secret and here's the theme of what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm excited. Get your notebooks out or get some pens out of your computers and write these scriptures down. Some I'll read to you and some I'll just, uh, I'll just quote to you. But I decree and declare in the authority of Jesus' name that as you're listening to this message, just like Juliet and many others who had miracles last week, the power of God will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will put his arms around you. You will come under a consciousness of a living God. And you will know the miraculous power of God. And your mind will be filled with a divine consciousness of certainty. And you will be able to receive what God wants to bless you with supernaturally today. You may not need a healing miracle today. Or you may need a healing miracle. You you may need another type of miracle. You may need a new job. You may need a breakthrough. You may need a promotion, some kind of a blessing, what you're looking for, favor, things you're praying for. You've prayed enough. Today, God answers your prayer as you're listening, as the word of God comes to you. Keep your heart open. Forget about the laundry. Forget about the washing. Forget about distractions and focus yourself now. You know, in, in Luke chapter 10, when, when Jesus went to Martha and Mary's house, and he went in there and he sat down. 
and he began to minister and to serve with the life and the power of God's word. And Martha got all agitated because Mary, her sister, was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she came in there and she said, hey, Jesus, tell my sister, Mary, to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are full of anxiety and full of troubles and full of stress and you are distracted. Mary has chosen the greater thing for this one thing is the greatest thing. That is sitting and listening. You see, Jesus was not rebuking Martha for being busy. The Lord is not against busyness. Praise God for that. What he wants to set us free from is busyness directed by anxiety and when we just sit at his feet and we receive not a bible study this is not a bible study this is impartation of the power of god this is impartation of revelation into the place we are right now so you can be prepared for divine consciousness to connect with the power of god and he can do miracles through your life today you see when we sit at his feet and we let the lord be responsible for giving us uh, green pastures, for the Lord bringing us in rest, the Lord anointing our head with oil, and our cups overflowing, energy coming back, strength coming into our souls, divine connectedness. When we do that, when we give time to the Lord to sit and listen to his word, then when we go out and do the other things we do, and we have, we have Holy Spirit-directed activities. We might be busy, but our busyness will be filled with His peace, and our busyness will be connected to more wisdom from God and greater anointing. So it's so important today to make this a time that you go, I'm connecting with the Word. I'm engaged. I'm shutting down distractions. There's a Martha in every one of us. And, but I tell you, let that spirit of Mary come and, and, and just hear the word, not just Rob Rufus from Rob Rufus. Hear this by the spirit of God inside of you. So this is how the greatest miracles happen is the good news must be preached. Miracles do not happen under bad news. Bad news stops miracles instantly. But when someone preaches good news, but this is the thing, they must preach Good news under a mighty power of the miraculous of the Holy Spirit. You cannot preach the Bible as a Bible study. You must preach revelation under mighty levels of creative miracles, supernatural, explosive miracles, power miracles, deliverance miracles. The speaker must speak under a holy, mighty, miraculous mantle. And that's not through your works. I'm standing up under an anointing here that's come freely upon me by grace. So number one, the preacher must speak good news, a grace news message. Number two, they must be under a mighty mantle of the miraculous. And number three, the people who are receiving it must lean forward into the word, lean forward like Mary and sit at Jesus' feet and receive revelation. And so as I speak, stay connected because we're moving through a clarity today that's going to take City Church to the next level. And you're going to see miracles at home, miracles this week. And when we get together, whenever that is, we are going to come together in, a, in such a collective connection, an explosive way. We're going to see the manifestation of the kingdom like we've never seen before. So let me give you an example of in the word of God. If we're looking at Acts chapter 10, and um, we'll be reading, uh, go for it Priscilla, <laughs> but we'll be reading, uh, Peter is preaching to Gentiles, 
Uh, the Jews would think of Gentiles as dogs. They would think of the Gentiles as heathens and as pagans. There's something great about preaching to heathens and pagans who've never been part of a religion before because they're just spiritual. They're open to spiritual things. They don't know anything about legalism and religion and ceremonies and all kinds of weird rituals. They don't know anything about that. They're seeking something spiritual, and they often get the wrong spiritual realm, the demonic realm. But you know what? When you preach to people that are open under a powerful miracle mantle, and you preach the truth of Jesus, good news, the Holy Spirit's going to come and hug those people. And so here's Peter preaching to Gentiles who've never heard the gospel before. And, and, and it says, he preaches this beautiful sermon, the whole sermon's recorded there, and in verse 38 he says, this is in Cornelius's uh, context, and he says, Peter says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all, healing all, healing all, healing all who were, healing all who were, he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. There's the first good news, come right there, that in the New Testament, God reveals his perfect will on healing in the person of Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus said, I've come down to do my Father's will. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. So everything Jesus did was revealing the Father's heart and the Father's mind on the issue of healing. You see, in Hong Kong, we've got many people who believe God's making them sick. We've got people who believe this coronavirus has come from heaven. There is nothing in heaven like a coronavirus. There's no death in heaven. We're on earth with all the corruption and fallenness, but in heaven, there is no such thing. People don't age people don't die, there's no break-ins, there's no crime, people don't, there's perfect love, perfect joy, perfect, perfect community. So Jesus said, pray your Father, do what is in heaven, come do it here on earth. So you, God can't give you sickness. God is life, light, and love. God is uncreated glory. He is all self-sufficient and self self-sufficient, and he pre-existed before existence. God does not exist. He is the person of existence. You exist because God never existed. He's eternal God, and he's infallible, infinite, and invincible, and he is so full of light and glory, he could not put sickness on you because if he touched you, he'd touch you with life and love and power. So this lie that God is causing sickness has to be broken off Hong Kong people's thinking and around the world. Peter was preaching what needs to be preached. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Simple theology, God heals, devil makes sick. God's the healer, the devil makes people sick. Today, the world has got it all the way wrong. They think the miracles today are from the devil, and they think God's making people sick. Well, that's why they don't have miracles. Not because miracles are finished, but miracles stop when lies are preached. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. Then he turns around to his disciples, and he says to us, because it's anyone who believes me, he says, anyone who believes in me will do the miracles I have been doing, and even greater miracles, because I'm going to the Father. So every believer is raised up and been anointed in this hour to fulfill Jesus' prophecy that anyone who believes in him, he didn't say anyone in the first century, 
century. And he didn't say anyone who's an apostle or prophet or anyone who's this or that. He said, anyone who believes in me. These signs will follow them that believe in me. They will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. So they will cast out demons. They will preach this gospel under a miracle mantle that is good news, good news about the goodness of God and a consciousness of God will come over people and they, they will find it easy to have all kinds of miracles happening in their body. And then he goes, he said, Rob, you're getting a bit excited. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting used to preaching in a room by myself, although I've got some very good men here with me, um, and they're listening really well. <laughs> and then he goes on and he says this. Peter's preaching now, and he says, all the prophets testify about Jesus. He said, all the prophets, all the old covenant prophets testified about the coming of Messiah, the coming of God the Son, and what he would do on the cross. They all testified about him. That's what Peter's preaching. He says this, verse 33, all the prophets testified about Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives, receives forgiveness of sins through his name while Peter was still speaking, while Rob is still speaking, while Peter was still speaking, these words, the Holy Spirit came on all, all who heard the message. See, they had to hear a message. They had to hear a message. They had to hear a message of good news that connects them to the power of the Holy Spirit. As they were hearing this message, they were connecting because they were believing the message coming under the power of God. And as Peter was still speaking these words, what were the words? Jesus forgives all your sins. Whenever the Holy Spirit hears good news being preached, Holy Spirit falls on everybody who's hearing the message. And he is falling on people today, all over the world and in Hong Kong as this message is going out. Notice it says, it says there in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on or fell on all who heard the message. Power of God. Now, he says the Holy Spirit came on them, the Holy Spirit fell on them. But the Greek word, the original language from which the New Testament was translated from, the original word for fall on or come on is the Greek word epipato, epipato, which literally means to hug. It means to embrace. The Holy Spirit comes and embraces you. You see, you can't see Jesus right now. He's at the right hand of the Father. You can't see the smile on his face. You can't see his loving face. You can't see his grace. You can't see the fact he's touched with the feelings of your weakness, all the fears you go through, all the problems you're going through. You can't see his face. If you could see his face, it would calm you down because it's a loving face. It's a, it's, it's a glorious face. It's a shining face. It's a face that's full of faith. You can't see his face. One day you will see him face to face. But you have the Holy Spirit who can come and hug you and tangibly, supernaturally, like heavenly electricity, come all over your body, all over your soul, fill your nature, fill your very temperament, your personality with his shining bright light, with his consciousness of his presence, his power, his miraculous abilities comes upon you. You see, epipito, it means the Lord hugged them. Now, let me give an example. If you go to Luke 15 and you read there, and it says that the prodigal son realized how good his father was. What the heck am I doing out here? Why am I running around in a pigsty? Why have I spent all my money on prostitutes? I need to go back to my father and I'll just be a servant. And so he goes home and the Bible says the father comes running towards the prodigal. I often believe he was running for two reasons. One, to stop 
the prodigal meeting the older brother on the way home. The older brother was so wicked, so twisted and legalistic and full of, uh, uh, of self-righteousness and he would have abused his brother coming home. And so the father ran to him and the Bible says, Jesus said, it's right there in the scriptures, it said the father had compassion on him and the father threw his arms around it. said that, actually says that in the, in the English and Chinese, the father put his arms around the prodigal son still stinking of the pig star. He put his arms around the prodigal son and kissed him. And the Greek word therefore, arms around his son, is the same word, epipito. As Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit epipitoed the people. He embraced them. He threw his arms around them and miracles happened. Let me say this. The answer to miracles, the purpose of miracles is Yes, to relieve people of pain and suffering. But the primary reason is that the revelation of the goodness of God would be revealed on this earth in the power of miracles. The church was birthed in miracles. Jesus' birth was a miraculous miracle. His conception was by the Holy Spirit. That's miraculous. The miracles he did was miraculous. His death and resurrection on the cross was miraculous. The beginning of the church was miraculous and the Holy Spirit being poured out. The power of God coming out. And every time the church has gone into unbelief and preached a false gospel mixed in with the law of Moses, every time that happens, the church stops miracles. The miracles literally stop. Then people who are absolutely wrong begin to say the time of miracles is over. There is no time of miracles. We believe not in a time of miracles. We believe in a God of miracles who's yesterday, today, and forever the same. He is a miraculous being. He's a supernatural being. And you cannot walk in these days. And in this time, Just as a religious Christian, it is time for the supernatural. It's time for the miraculous because God is a miraculous God. And we've got to get revelation that the reason miracles stop is not because God has stopped them. And it's not because sin has stopped them. It's because false belief systems have stopped them. It's lies about the Holy Spirit that have stopped miracles. If you preach good news under the miracle power of God. Miracles will never stop. They will gain momentum. They will gain impetus. They will accelerate. They will move all the way through Saikong. This city will be hearing about great things God is doing. And right across Hong Kong and the world, people will hear, there is a living God in operation in Hong Kong, doing mighty miracles. How does that happen? By praying more. Praying is good, but that's not the main way. How does it happen? By fasting more? Fasting's good, but that's not the main way. The main way to see restoration of the greatest miracles on earth is simply to remove systematically, intentionally, and deliberately remove the lies that religion has said about the Holy Spirit. That's what needs to happen. And as soon as lies disappear and truth sets free by revelation, miracles will increase and gain momentum until we are watching things that we have never seen in our lives before. For God is the same yesterday, today, and forever the same. So let me look now at one area, just one area, but it's probably the most pivotal and prophetic prophetic area we need to look at. Why Hong Kong has not seen the supernatural, the power of the kingdom in the way It's meant to be seen at the level, at least, of the book of Acts. But actually, we're meant to go way beyond the book of Acts. And I'll tell you why. 
If we believed the same thing they believed back then 2,000 years ago, we would see the same things happening today. But the traditions of men have come in. And Jesus warns in Mark 7 that the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. It means it disempowers the word of God. Now, what we've got today is traditions of men that have, that have been taken from the Bible, but they've been taken out of context. And you can say that, make the Bible say whatever you want, but if you are someone that actually reads the Bible in context, you can expose every lie. You need to be a Holy Spirit prosecutor, and you need to not just suck in everything everyone says. You need to make sure you read the context. And which, which covenant is it in? And which, which chapter is it in? And don't lift that verse out of its context and then just preach that. You need to make sure you teach the whole context so you get what God is really saying. To twist what God has said in his God-generated Bible, in his God-breathed scriptures, to twist what God has said, to try to make something different, to pervert what God has said by taking it out of context is a very dangerous thing that you will be accountable for. It's a very dangerous thing. The people that have stopped miracles are the ones that have lied about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is surging across Hong Kong. There's a new grace surge across the nations of the earth. And it's not just for grace to make you feel a little bit happier. It does make you happy. Grace makes you joyful. Grace makes you secure. But that's not the ultimate end of grace. Grace is to set people free from the law so that their faith can operate. And grace is to set people free from lies so that the supernatural power of the kingdom breaks out. So people are so impressed with who God is, how amazing he is when they see the miracles of God manifesting. That miracle last Sunday with Juliet, a whole lump disappearing, other people getting instantly healed, no human hands touching them, sitting in South Africa's under complete lockdown for six weeks, they can't move out of their homes. And in their homes, by technology, without human hands, they listened to the good news. They listened to the power of God. They didn't get up and do their laundry. They sat there and they listened. And as they were focused like Mary on the word of God, the, the, the power of God filled them with a divine consciousness and the Holy Spirit fell on them and hugged them and miracles happened. That's how God does what he does. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. So, let me spend the rest of this, uh, this preach uh, summarizing my focus in one area where the Holy Spirit has been lied on. In fact, it is the main area where the Holy Spirit has been lied on. Listen, under the old covenant, you could not be holy enough to keep the Holy Spirit. He would uh, come, as soon as you sinned, he would leave you. We don't pray the prayers in the new covenant that David prayed. Lord, take not your spirit from me because he had sinned. Holy Spirit's not gonna leave you because we've got a better covenant based on better promises. And Jesus said, I will send you the Holy Spirit and he will never leave you because you see, you have the blood of a better covenant. You are in Christ and you are the righteousness of God perfectly in Christ. The Holy Spirit is never gonna leave you ever, ever. This is the new covenant. This is a spirit covenant. Amen. So, Hope you're still tracking with me. Hope you're still following me. How are we doing? How are we doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can just, the angels are clapping here. <laughs> Got handsome angels in the, <laughs> I found the sound desk. woo <laughs> So let me, let me, let me give you, let me give you. <laughs> 
Sean's getting drunk in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> so happy he made 10 years of marriage. He's a survivor. Bunny's a survivor. <laughs> now they're thrivers <laughs> in the glory. <laughs> just take a moment, just not to be too serious. Okay, calm down, Rob. Okay, but all of you stay excited. All right, here's the lie. I'm going to read it from, uh, it's uh, John 16 and from verse 8, okay? Now, Jesus has just said in this context, this John chapter 16, verse 8 to 11 is, is sandwiched by other things Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, okay? So this is what Jesus said. It's better for you that I go to the Father. When I go to the Father, I'll pray for the Holy Spirit and he will come to you. He is alas parakletos. He is someone just like me, but he's not me. I, uh, uh, he's a member of the Trinity. He's almighty God. And, and it's, it's, if I stay here, it'll be worse for you. It, listen to that. It'll be worse for you if I stay here. But if I go, then the Holy Spirit can come, okay? And so he said, when he comes, he'll be your counselor. He will comfort you. Listen, comforting someone is not making them feel condemned. He will comfort you. He will counsel you. He said, alas parakletos. It means he will be your helper. The Holy Spirit will help you. That word alas parakletos means that he will be your advocate. He will intercede for you. He will advocate for you. He will defend you. He will protect you. He will honor you. He says that he will show you and guide you into all truth. You cannot read the Bible without the author of the Bible who breathed the Bible. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth and he will lead you into all truth. And without the Holy Spirit, people go into weird belief systems. But he is a person and he'll help you and he'll show you things to come and it says that he will glorify Jesus by taking everything the father gave to Jesus the Holy Spirit will give it to you as a joint equal heir with Christ Holy Spirit's come to give you all the inheritance of God and listen now now just remember that's the context but right in the middle of that verse verse 8 say verse 8 verse 8 says Jesus says and when the Holy Spirit comes he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, if you take that out of its context, let me tell you the tone that people preach that with. That's the verse that they preach. They don't preach anything before or after. They'll say, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment. Well, that is not the way Jesus said it. And that is not the context. To understand what he means by sin, righteousness, and judgment, you need to read the next verse, the next verse, and the next verse. Otherwise, you've got an idea of the Holy Spirit that's a lie, and it will stop you being receptive to his hugs. The lie of the Holy Spirit will stop you accepting a God consciousness that can, you can have on a daily basis. So let's go to verse 9. Jesus said, and I unpacks it. He does expository of verse eight. He says, sin because they don't believe on me. He did not say sin because you, the disciples, don't believe on me. He said, sin because they don't believe on me. What does the Holy Spirit convict the world of? The Holy Spirit convicts the world of only one sin. He convicts the world of the sin of unbelief in Jesus Christ. 
Do you know that we never will glorify sin? But do you know that no sin will take you to hell? All your sins put together are not the reason why you go to hell. The first reason why you go to hell or lost eternity is because first Adam had unbelief and allowed himself to be deceived. And you didn't become a sinner by your sin. You, Romans 5 verse 12 says, Romans 5 verse 12 says, you became a sinner through Adam's sin. Now if one man who's the federal headship of the human race, if he's the one that could make you a sinner, then someone else who's a lost Adam, a federal head of the human race, they can make you righteous and they can make you holy, not by your works. Adam's sin produced sin in you, not by your works, but by Adam's sin. Christ lost Adam. His righteous obedience before the Father, his, his righteousness, his obedience is what gave us the gift of righteousness. So please hear this. Hear this. The only thing that stops people going to heaven is not all their sins. Holy Spirit doesn't have to convict you of all your sins. Romans 3.20 and verse 19 tells us that the law of Moses convicts the unbelievers about their sin and constantly shows them in their conscience that what they're doing is wrong. But the Holy Spirit is not the one who's convicting unbelievers of all their sins. He only convicts unbelievers of one sin, the sin of unbelief in Jesus. He said, because they don't believe in me. Then he says, isn't that clear? Then he says, and of righteousness, of righteousness, because I go to the Father, where you, you, now he's talking about his disciples, believers, where you cannot see me anymore. <laughs> what an awesome statement. You see, when these people lie about the Holy Spirit, they say, He'll convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. In other words, they're trying to say that all the bad feelings you feel inside of you about your sin is the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin. That is a lie. There's not one verse in the entire New Testament that says the Holy Spirit will convict a believer of their sin. Not one verse. The law will point a finger at you and point out your sins. The law but you're dead to the law. But if you don't understand that you're dead to the law, the law will point its finger at you and point out your sins. The Holy Spirit's got a finger, and he points to Jesus who took all of your sins away. If people think the Holy Spirit is convicting believers of all their sin, then they don't want to fellowship with him, and they don't want him to embrace them because they'll feel embarrassed. They'll feel ashamed that such a holy person is embracing them, and they'll think he knows all of my sin. Listen, he does. He knows none of your sins except the sin of unbelief. There's only one sin Jesus can die for, and that's unbelief in him. And I'd like to say more about that, but I'm not going to do that. When we sin... Our own spirit lets us know that we've sinned and we feel bad inside of us. But the Holy Spirit is the one that comforts us and counsels us. So he says, he's not saying righteousness in the idea that you've got to try hard and be more righteous, be more righteous. He's not saying that. There's only two types of righteousness. Only two types. In the New Testament, only two types of righteousness. It's not three or four. There's only two types. There's self-righteousness by the law Self-righteousness by the law that will take you straight into hell and never get into heaven by self-righteousness. Or there's the gift of righteousness that is by grace. 
So what righteousness is the Holy Spirit going to convict us? He said he'll convict you because, because you can't see him no more. He's talking about believers. So here's the question. What righteousness is he talking about? He's talking about the gift of righteousness. How do I know that? What did Jesus go to heaven for? What did Jesus do when he got to heaven? Jesus sat down in heaven. He literally sat down. Why did he sit down? Because he had nothing else to do. Because he had finished the work of the cross. He had been raised from the dead and it was over. Every sin had been purified. Every sin taken away through Christ Jesus. Under the old covenant, the priests had to keep standing because sin was never taken away. Every time you sinned, the priest had to try and get rid of that sin and get rid of that sin. Jesus, by one sacrifice for all time and eternity, completely removed and blotted out all of your sin, past, present, and future. So that's why when he went to heaven, he sat down because he didn't have to do anything more. He doesn't jump up and start praying for you every time you sin. He did it in a one-all total package or boom, and then he sat down. So let's look at this quickly in Hebrews 1. Are we doing for time? Okay, Hebrews 1, we're coming to an end. Hebrews 1, we're dealing with lies about the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 1, and if you say, oh, well, I've heard some of this before, Rob. Hey, unless it's operating and inviting on your life a constant or regular consciousness of God's presence for him to hug you, then maybe there's still blockages in the way you think because you still somehow suspect that the Holy Spirit is the one who's convicting of sin and telling you you should be more righteous and you think he's trying to judge you. That is a lie about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles and got them saved, baptized, filled, and they all spoke in tongues while Peter was still speaking the good news to him that God doesn't make you sick, God heals you. God has forgiven all your sins. All the Bible, all the Old Testament prophets speak about Jesus who'll take away all of your sins. So the Holy Spirit doesn't even know a thing about your sin and he can love you and fall on you every day and do miracles. Look at this in Hebrews chapter one. I love this scripture. I could quote this, but you'd probably think I'm exaggerating. So I'm gonna read this, just listen to this. Hebrews one and verse three, he says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. I love the fact that his word is powerful, powerful word. He sustains all things by his powerful word. The very atoms in your body, son said, should split apart. There's a mysterious something holding everything together by the power of his word. Sustain all things by his powerful word. After, after, say after. It's not no more future now, it's after. After he had provided purification or purging, removing, canceling, taking away forever. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He is sitting down because he knows that he knows he that he knows. What does he do where he went where you can't see him anymore? He is sitting down. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will convict you of righteousness because I go to the Father where you see me no more. What did he do when he got to the Father? 
he sat down. Why? Because he'd made all purifications for our sins. So therefore, Holy Spirit's not trying to make you more righteous. He's not trying to convict you of your sins. That's a lie. It's taken the scripture out of context, and it stopped miracles. This city and areas around the world have been robbed of people being raised from the dead, blind eyes open, deaf ears open, cancer's gone, all things that science can't cure, the power of God can. Nations for centuries have been robbed, except for little revivals here and there, where it's meant to be across the earth if the gospel of the kingdom was preached. And these people that are talking about the beast and the dome on the rock and all kinds of conspiracy stuff, stop listening to their distractions. This is not about that nonsense. This is not about a one world government and one currency and all the banks taken over. That globalism, we know the devil's trying to do that, but he's failing to do that all the time. He's not just trying it recently. He tried that new order thousands of years ago in Genesis. 11 when he tried to build the Tower of Babel through a people in a United Nations without reference to the creator of the heavens and the earth. They tried to build a one world government right there in Genesis 11. A Babel, a Zagarat where demons would be at the top and God came down and shook it all and smashed it all down and divided them amongst the world. God is not allowing all this conspiracy stuff and stop taking everything out of the book of Revelation unless you know the context and you've got to know what is figurative and what is literal. Get your eyes off the beast and put it on Jesus Christ. Put it on the power of the gospel. Keep focused on the kingdom of heaven, for God is at work in the nations. Come on, can you say amen? This is about the harvest time. Miracles, signs, wonders, and healing. The church becomes so supernatural in Hong Kong that Hong Kong is awakened and distracted from the coronavirus, and it recognizes God's at the move. He always wanted to move, but when human beings lied about the Holy Spirit, they stopped the miracle and they can just repent now and God's it's all wonderful it's all over just repent just say I'm wrong about the Holy Spirit I'm wrong about the things I've said and God includes you straight away to be a miracle worker in Jesus name okay are you with me still in Hebrews 10 look at this it says yeah please hear these words these are so important they need to be indelibly burnt into your heart so listen Miracles are going to increase, not just because the good news has been preached, not just because we've removed the lies about the Holy Spirit, but because every individual in the church walks with God. I just did a pro-go, a GoPro message this morning, early this morning, on how to have supernatural intimacy with God every day. As soon as it's uh, put, on, put on our website or wherever we go, get a hold of it and listen to it. I speak for about 30 minutes. I'm having a time with the Lord, not a Bible study. I'm having a time with the Lord. I'm encountering, I'm talking about what I'm experiencing, how to be like Mary, how to receive from Jesus. Very intimate, revelational stuff. And when you listen to that, you'll catch that anointing. And it's every individual needs to arrive in church on Sunday, not to get a rah-rah service to hop them up into a good into, into good mood, but arrive in the service with a consciousness of God, ready to minister to God and to receive his ministry. That's what the New Testament's about. Everyone is alive in Jesus Christ. But listen to this, Hebrews 10, verse nine. Then he said, here I am. I've come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now listen to this, but one sacrifice, we have been made holy through the blood of Jesus, we have been made holy once 
and for all. That means for all the time you're on this planet and into eternity, you are the righteousness of God. That's why Jesus went to the Father. That's why the Holy Spirit will convict you of righteousness, not trying to make you do things more right, but by he went to the Father to sit down. And by verse 11 again, or verse, verse 12 again, 10 again, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands. Every priest stands. Old covenant priests, they just stand. They're still standing because their job is never over. Jesus can sit because he's purified us once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time, all time, all time, past, present, future, all time, one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. He sits down. He's chilled out. He's resting. He's relaxed. Holy Spirit is never going to contradict what Jesus did for you on the cross. Holy Spirit's never going to come and point your sins out when Jesus has taken them all away once and for all. Holy Spirit's going to point out the truth that you are the righteousness of God. You know, it even says it here in verse 17, same chapter. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Verse 17, I will remember no more. An omniscient God who knows everything and cannot forget anything. He remembers your sins no more. In his infinite memory, he can't reach into the existence of your sins. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is the blood of God. And what happened on that one sacrifice, those sins were obliterated out of existence. They're not accessible to the memory of an omniscient God. That's why the new covenant is superior than the old covenant. And what an insult to heaven to have so many Christians confuse these covenants and it messes people up psychologically. It stops miracles happening. It is the grossest crime that has ever happened on our planet. And it's gotta be a courageous people who read the scripture in context and who stand up and deliver for the sakes of billions of people who God wants to bless the nations. God is not using, God is not the author of coronavirus. God is not trying to shake Hong Kong to smithereens. Yes, there's shakings, but he is protecting the city. He loves this city and he wants a people city church people, or any other people as well, to build the substance of an unshakable kingdom on truth in their lives. So we become profiled in the city as an unshakable people. Not perfect, but we've got the substance of eternity. We've got the power of the real gospel. We've got the consciousness of a living God on our lives because we have systematically eradicated the lies of religion about the Holy Spirit. Woo! Man, this is good, man. Man, I should stop soon. Yeah, I tell you. This is, you know what, I, you know what, I, do you know when the truth is not taught, the devil can much easier bring lies to people? You know, once you know truth, you know, once you can, you know, listen, I've said this before, but you know when tillers at a, at, at, in the banks who handle cash, the way they train them to recognize counterfeit is that they don't give them counterfeit money to play with or train with. They train them by making them pass real money through their fingers constantly for hours a day. 
That's how they used to train them. So that once they were on the job, they were so familiar and so aware what the truth is, what the real was, that if a counterfeit just touched their fingers, they would instantly recognize it. That's how the Spirit of God wants you and me, to understand the new covenant in its proper context. Not to run around looking at all the deceptions. Not to run around looking at all the counterfeits and the antichrist and all the global conspiracy theories. We know the devil's trying to do that, but he's not gonna get away with it. The world's gonna be won by this gospel. If you wanna know the sign of the end of the day and the end of the age, Jesus said in, in Matthew 24, 14, he said this is the ultimate sign of the end of the age. And then this gospel of the kingdom, the true gospel, the greatest sign is the gospel. And then this gospel of the good news, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, the good message of the kingdom will be preached as a sign to all ethnos, all nations, every language, every tribe, every group. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. He mentioned nothing about a temple being built on the Dome of the Rock. He mentioned nothing about this. Why aren't conspiracy theorists talking about the gospel will be preached to all nations and then the end will come? That's the climax and consummation of the ages. The true gospel, the good news of the kingdom breaking into the earth with signs, wonders, and miracles and salvation, saving people, saving nations, saving people. Why hasn't that been emphasized? The devil has brought counterfeit and so many religious Christians, all they've done in, in their paranoia have played with counterfeit, counterfeit gospels, counterfeit gospels, counterfeit gospels, so that when the real one comes, they don't recognize it. Get a hold of the real one, the real gospel. So the moment you get a false gospel coming, you can smell it, your spirit. Listen, because the wrong gospel's been preached, mixed up, Christians don't do what I'm about to say. What we should do, our testimony, when we believe this, that the reason he went to heaven where we don't see him is not to say, you need to try and be more righteous. The Holy Spirit is there to actually convict us, convince us, you are the righteousness of God. He has sat down by one sacrifice. He's made you perfect and holy forever, and he doesn't remember your sins anymore. That's what we should tell people, because that's what Jesus was saying. This should be our testimony. We wake up in a bad mood. Don't encourage that. Have a bad day. Give a finger sign in the traffic. Do something stupid. Have a wrong attitude about something. And you go, oh. And then your spirit makes you feel, oh, I'm not really good. And then this should be your testimony. But, but you know what? The Holy Spirit rose up. And the Holy Spirit came and hugged me. And the Holy Spirit embraced me. And the Holy Spirit convicted me and convinced me that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And my mood changed and my attitude changed. And I realized he sat down and I can approach God with boldness and with confidence and the miraculous will manifest in your life. Now lastly, he said that the Holy Spirit will convict of sin, we've explained that. Of righteousness, we've explained that. Thirdly, he said of judgment. You know what most Christians, when they just hear verse eight, and not the context, they all think, judgment. Holy Spirit's gonna show us judgment is coming. We're all gonna be judged. Oh, we finished, we're all gonna be judged. Oh, God's wanting to judge us. Holy Spirit's wanting to convict us of judgment. Well, he is wanting to convict us of judgment. But who is he going to talk about? Who is he gonna convict us who's being judged? Not you, the believer in Christ. Certainly not, because Jesus sat down and you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So who did Jesus say? Holy Spirit will convict us and convince us someone's gonna be judged. Guess who? 
the one that should be judged. What is his name? The devil. The devil. Read the context. Get to verse 11. Don't just read the Holy Spirit convict you of judgment. Read from verse 8, 9, 10. Get to verse 11. He said, judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The prince of this world. It shocks me that some Christians don't even know who the prince of this world is. And yet all through the New Testament, Paul and the other writers, and here Jesus refers to the prince of this world as the devil. He's a prince of this world. What is this world? This world is a system that is governed by the spirit of unbelief in Jesus. Now, Jesus is not just a man. Jesus is God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. That's what John 1 tells us. In Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Elohim, the Hebrew word, Elohim means plural. It's more than one God. It's three gods. Elohim. Him, he, the living God, used Jesus, the word of God. Jesus, Colossians 1 says, Jesus created all things and nothing was created without him. And he holds all, Jesus is not just Jesus the carpenter. Jesus is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He created this universe. He didn't create the world. He created the universe. And Satan lied to first Adam and deceived Adam into the sin of unbelief, and Eve came with him, and corruption entered mankind under the federal headship of first Adam. And now we've got in the beauty of this earth, hey, listen, the forests and the trees and the mountains and the rivers, they are not the world, they are the earth, the cosmos. The world is a system, it's a religious system. The world is controlled by a religious system that is built on Adam's unbelief. The devil deceived Adam, Adam allowed the devil, Adam had total authority over the devil, but he let himself be deceived. And when, he, when that happened, the devil, the devil stole Adam's authority in the earth, and the devil began to exercise illegal, illegitimate authority that he stole from Adam. And so he's created a world sitting created. He's manufactured a world system that is based on unbelief in the creator of the heavens and the earth, who is Jesus Christ. And so... That's why the devil is the prince, not of cosmos, not of creation, of a world system that many churches are under. The world council of churches under the prince of the power of the air. In John 14 verse 13, Jesus said very clearly, the prince of this world is the devil. He comes to take me but he has no part in me. See, the devil has been ambushed to take Jesus to the cross. The cross was God's secret wisdom destined for our glory before time began and had the rulers and princes of this world, the demonic realm, known the plan of the cross destined for our glory before time began, but it was hidden from the devil. It says, had they known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. They fell into the ambush. God ambushed them. So the prince of this world is the devil. How many of you heard that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of all your sins, is convicting you to try to work harder to be righteous, is convicting you that you, you, should, you get ready for judgment? All of those are 100% lies, and they've been perpetrated for one and a half thousand years of dark ages, and the church needs to crawl out of the dark ages. Well, let's walk out with our shoulders high and get out of this rubbish that is causing the stoppage of miracles and deception and suffering. Nations are suffering with racism, all kinds of gender inequality because of religious bondage. 
I don't care how many motivational speakers you listen to, until you get revelation of miracles and the power of the living creator of the heavens and the earth, you are still living in a corrupted world system that lives by corrupted wisdom. Unbelief. That's what the Holy Spirit will convict. Those that, those that don't believe. But you the believer, he's convicting you, you're righteous, reminding you the righteous. He sat down. You're perfect by one sacrifice. He made once and for. He sat down. He's convicting you that the devil who you hate, the devil who's trying to destroy you, he was judged at the cross. Now I'm going to read one more scripture. And we will close in about two hours' time. Hey, you've got nowhere to go. You're just hanging around your house. Anyway, listen to this. You come all this way. Let me, let, me, let me tell you how the judgment of this world happened, where the prince of this world was judged. And I'm taking you now to Romans, I mean, John chapter 12, and I could easily just quote this to you as well. And you think I'm showing off, but I'm just going to read it now so that you know I'm reading it from the Bible. Now, Jesus just had this amazing encounter. This is on the day before he goes to Passover and then to the cross. And this is what he says. Remember this, Holy Spirit will convict you of judgment. What judgment? Who's going to be judged? Who's the focus? The devil, the prince of this world, the one that deceived first Adam. Now listen to this. It's going to be revelation. It'll change your life. It'll make all the scriptures join the dots together in the New, in the New Testament. Jesus talks about now is the judgment of the world. Now let's... It, Hear what he means by the judgment of this world, okay? Verse 31 to verse 33, Jesus speaking. It's in the red letters. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of the world will be driven out, condemned. He'll be judged. Now the prince of the world. That's the one the Holy Spirit will convict you and me that the prince of this world will be condemned and judged. Now is the time for judgment on this world. What world? The world system of unbelief. The world system of corruption that came from first Adam. And the devil continued it by borrowing off first Adam's authority that God gave him to operate in this world. When Jesus died on that cross, the first thing that happened, that he judged the prince of this world, he stripped him of first Adam's authority and any time the devil tries to use first Adam's authority on you and me, he's a criminal, it's totally illegal, and if you know that, you can deal with him easy. If you think he's got a right to use first Adam's authority continually, or if you think you can open a door to the devil that he's now got a legal right, all of those are lies, are lies against the Holy Spirit. You are the righteousness of God all the time, even your sin. When you sin, you're still the righteousness of God. A door has not been opened. To the accuser. He has no legal right to use any authority against you because he's been judged at the cross and everything he's doing is illegal. And Christians that are ignorant of this are blaming God for what the devil is doing and they don't know how to resist the devil. But when they know he's been judged, not you being judged, the prince of this world has been judged. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of the world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up, when I am lifted up from the earth, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He will, I will draw all, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Listen to the next verse, most important. He said this to show 
the kind of death he was going to die. The cross. He's about to go to the cross. And he's saying, when I be lifted up, when I be lifted up. I know people say when we worship, you know, we're lifting up the Lord and he draws all people to himself. That's okay, but that's not what the scripture teaches. It's a nice Christian idea and it's a blessing, but that's taking things out of the context. And when you take things out of the context, you weaken the real context. He said, when I be lifted up, the context was on the cross. And he said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people. That's all people, every human being before the cross and after the cross. I will draw all people to myself. What do you mean? He's God, so he can do this. What did he do? He drew us out of first Adam's death. And he drew us into himself. He drew us out of first Adam's disobedience. He drew us out of identity in first Adam. He drew us out of Adam's, out of Adam's willingness to be deceived by the devil. And Adam's willingness not to stand and say to his wife, no, no, I told you, God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is legalism. I told you to eat from the tree of life. God told me. He didn't tell you, but I'm telling you. And she actually manipulated and pushed the button too far. But Adam, Adam submitted. Not right order in the marriage. He should have said, Eve, I'm not eating of that tree. I'm not going to eat of that tree because I heard God. But he did. He ate of the tree. He added the tree. It's like a country western song. Just like, just I'm going to have the love of the woman. Just, hey, come on, man. You made a big mistake and you destroyed yourself and the future generation. Well, Jesus, when he was lifted up, he drew all of us out of first Adam and he drew us into last Adam. Last Adam is superior Adam. He's the much more federal head of the human race. Every single one of us were drawn up into him out of Adam's willingness to be deceived by the devil. And then we were crucified with him, and we died. We died with him. He took our judgment, but we died with him. What did we die to? We died to first Adam. We died to identity in first Adam. We died to the prince of this world. We died to his, his authority. He has no more authority. He's no more legitimate. He's judged. He's cast out. He's condemned. He can't use Adam's authority on us anymore because we're no longer in first Adam. We're in last Adam, superior Adam, and we're operating in new creation. We're not operating in the old corrupt system of this world order. We're operating in the new order. This is the new order that will take over the earth, the kingdom of God. We're operating in Christ. We died with him. And when he rose and he sat down in heaven, we sat down in heaven with him, far above principalities, powers, and authorities, and dominion. We sat down with him as co-equal is. The devil is illegal. It says that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. God gave first Adam only authority on earth. But Jesus, when he went back to heaven, victorious, triumphant, and he sat down as a man, he re-inherited Everything he already had as God. He got all authority in heaven and earth. And now he's our federal head. We're in him. He drew us into him. And we walk with supreme, superior authority in heaven and earth. We have authority in heaven. We have authority on earth. We have power to preach the gospel under mighty miracle power. So people believe the truth, get free from lies, and they come under consciousness of God, and the dead are raised, blind eyes open, deaf ears hear, cancers go, supernatural financial blessings, the blessing of Abraham, resources, come on, businesses that are walking in the true gospel, walking in the blessing of Abraham, walking as the seed of Abraham, walking as sons and daughters 
of Almighty God. Paul said this in Galatians 2 verse 19 to 21. He said, through the law I died to the law, that I may live unto God. Listen, how does that happen? The law prophesied the coming of the Messiah. The law prophesied the cross. The law tried to explain to people. Paul said, I, through the law I died to the law, that I may live unto unto God because I've been crucified with Christ and, and, and I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I'm union, I'm one with Christ. I'm, the believing one is inside of me. His faith is inside of me and I live by the faith of the Son of God. He loved me and he gave himself for me. Verse 21 says, if the law could make people righteous, Christ died for nothing. Isn't that a powerful thing? He says, if the law could make people righteous, Christ died for nothing. So if you follow it all through his letter, Galatians, you'll get to Galatians 5, and he'll say there, he says in Galatians 5 verse 4, he says, if you go back under the law, you will make Christ of no value. In other words, it's almost like Christ didn't die. In your mind, if you go back under the law, You've gone under a lie again. Now, when I say under the law, I'm not just talking about ceremonial law, the Ten Commandments, all of those things. But really what I'm talking about is a corrupted system that's not based on faith. It's based on the satanic, it's the beggarly elements of this world that will bring you into disgrace. If you go under condemnation and shame and guilt and believe that the Holy Spirit's doing that for you, your life will have no miracles in it at all. It will be like Christ didn't die and it'll be like Christ would have no value for you. But I tell you this, if you believe this message, Holy Spirit, embrace you, come with power and glory and fill your heart and your temperament. Your eyes will shine with an authority as a son and a daughter of God who is in Christ, lost Adam, free from the identity of first Adam. And you say, well, Rob, what does this mean? If we walk in this realm, does it mean we'll have no trouble? No, remember what the world is. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation in this world. He didn't mean in the earth realm. He meant from this world, the corrupted world of an illegal devil. He said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And 1 John 5 verse 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So what is the world system? We're not talking about anything but unbelief in the creator of the heavens and the earth redeemed us on a cross. What is the trouble? When you stand up and preach this grace message, when you stand up and go for the miraculous, the demonic prince of this world will do anything he can to, to try to destroy you, to attack you, to rob from you, to intimidate you, to absolutely frighten you and discourage you and have people reject you. I've been through all of that. Multiply it as many times as you want. Don't think you still know if you haven't been through that. But we just cannot give up preaching this message. We cannot because this is the truth. This is where the devil has been judged in this message of the gospel. And this is the secret for the whole house of God coming into such realms of glory. You can overcome him by your faith in this message because you know anything he's trying, he hasn't got authority to do it. He's hoping you're ignorant. He's hoping really he would have loved to stop me speaking this message to you. Believe me, I know. I know what he was trying to do with me yesterday. But I st I'm standing here bold, carrying on maybe so long. But I'm standing here because I know that it's more about just us, City Church. This is about who we become. We're shaped and fashioned by the Word of God, not shaped and fashioned by traditions or people's opinions. We're shaped by reading Scripture in its context because that, that's what produces the miracles, the signs and the wonders. So yes, you'll face trouble when you stand up in this gospel, and it'll be good for you. Give me one minute. If we could compare, say, saying like a, 
problems represent, re represented by fire. So you just say problems is represented by fire. So there's three ways God brings you through problems. Number one, he puts the fire out and you just walk on straight and it's fantastic. I love those kind of miracles. Thank you for that kind of intervention, God. I'd like a few more of those. Or he leads you around the fire which is a much longer route. You can see that in the book of Exodus. God actually led Israel around a long way because he knew they weren't battle-hardened to yet meet the enemy. So he knew. He's a good God. He took them around the fire. Or he leads you right through the fire like the three Hebrew boys. He goes, you go right through the fire, but he protects you. The fourth man is in the fiery furnace with you. And when you come out of that furnace, on the other side, you don't smell of smoke. There's no harm done to you. You don't have to be traumatized if you walk in the supernatural. Yes, you'll feel frightened. Yes, you'll feel anxious. Yes, you'll have your moments, but you'll come through. And the more fires you walk through, the happier. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, because it's right in the staff, they comfort you. You'll come through the other side. Paul, it, you don't rebuke every storm. You rebuke some storms. Paul didn't get up in his boat and rebuke that storm. They went in the storm. Sometimes those storms will blow you to a better place where you need to be and what the devil meant for evil will turn out for your good. And Paul arrived, their boat, they got out, the whole boat, everything was destroyed, but every life was saved because God spoke to Paul. And they got on that island of Melita and a revival broke out. Signs and wonders, miracles. Paul healed every single person who was sick on that island. Revival broke out. He shook a snake off his hand that was a very poisonous snake. Revival, he healed them all. And then a great boat from Rome, much better than the one he had been on, took them all the way to Rome and he got into a rented home and was able to preach every single day in Rome the gospel which is exactly what he wanted and so he didn't he, I'm sure he was hoping to go you know God put the fire out or take me around the fire but God took him through the fire and he came out the other side holy advantage you are condemned to victory you are absolute God turns disappointments and difficulties into stepping stones. God is on your side and the devil has been judged and God has drawn you up into Christ and you've died to your old identity in first Adam. You've been crucified and you have a new identity and you have all authority in heaven and earth in the name of Jesus and you and I, we reject the lies about the Holy Spirit and we invite him every day to come and embrace us and we are gonna preach and we are preaching good news under miracle power. Don't preach in this apologetic, sad little voice. Lean into the anointing when you speak. Speak with boldness, with authority, and tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. And even though you might have trouble because the enemy doesn't like you doing that, you will soon find out how scared he is of you. You exercise the authority you have in Christ and you have total dominion of divine wisdom to totally dominate your enemy because he has no legal authority. He's been judged. You have not been judged. The devil was judged. The condemner was condemned. And when you get revelation of that, which I believe you do, you're gonna walk through storms, around storms, or have the storms taken away. Whatever way God chooses, whatever God reveals to you, you speak the truth into the storms. And you do what the Spirit leads you. Live in the moment. This moment in Hong Kong, there's never been a better opportunity for Hong Kong to have a mighty move of the Spirit. Never. 
I've been here nearly 16 years. I came here for the move of the Spirit. So did Sean and the whole Whaley family. And many of you that have grown up in the city, you've come here, you've heard me say, move of the Spirit touches the world, 24 throne zones. If we're not living to fill buildings just with people, imagine filling buildings with people who don't know what I've just told you, who don't know the gospel, who are just living with mixtures of grace, mixtures of legalism, don't know the Holy Spirit. They think the Holy Spirit's condemning them, accusing them. They're so confused. They think God's doing the bad things, the devil's doing the good things. They don't know what's going on. What's the use of having buildings full of people like that? What happens on the day we have to leave this planet? What accountability will leaders have? They grew massive churches, but the people there didn't know this, what I've just told you today, and what I've preached every Sunday nearly for 16 years nearly. Why don't you close your eyes and just lift your hands. Father, we thank you for miracles right now in bedrooms and lounges, even if people are on the toilet. Lord, whatever people are doing in their homes, let the power of the kingdom come. Let the pipito, the wrapping of the divine and grace, may the spirit of grace bring upon you, my brothers and sisters, my friends, loved ones, loved of God, may the mighty person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, alas parakletos, come upon you with power, mighty healing power, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I just sense him wrapping his arms around you. Lean into him, respond. Don't resist him. You don't have to. He's coming for good. He's coming for kindness. He's bringing all the victory and triumph of the cross and manifesting it over you right now. Not just your spirit, on your physical body, on your soul, your mind. He is filling your personality. He's filling your temperament with the beauty of his holiness, that he shines through you, that you will always be you. He'll just fill you with his glory that will enhance who you really are and who you're really meant to be. Whew, some people are getting free now from, from schizophrenic identity. They weren't sure if they're under the law or under grace. They weren't sure whether they're under first Adam or under last Adam. Spirit of God is giving you clarity right now there's a lot of people that tell you that you're this temperament or you're that temperament and they've boxed you and you've done even courses and all kinds of studies to analyze if you're left or right brain or you're this temperament. Now they've got so many, they've got, there used to be four temperaments, now there's about 400 temperaments and there's about 30 different genders now. So don't let the corrupt world put all of that nonsense on you. You know who you are inside of you. Socrates says, know yourself. Not no, know Jesus, know who he is. And the more you know who he is, you will know who you are. It's important you know who you are. Don't listen to people tell you who you are. Get to know Jesus. The more you see Jesus, you will know who you are. And when you know who you are, you'll operate with authority and power. Father, I break all the spirits of insecurity De gender and identity confusion in the name of Jesus. I decree the corrupt wisdom of this world, broken off my brothers and sisters, lies lifted off their shoulders and their minds. I decree and declare now, Father, that blood is being healed, blood diseases are being healed, supernatural sugar diabetes is being healed, secondary sugar diabetes, and there's genetically orchestrated 
disease. I decree and declare in the name of Jesus, we curse sickness and disease. We curse that back that's bended sideways to the right. If you're looking forward to your right, there's a bow right in your back. God is straightening out your spinal column right now by the touch of heaven, by the embrace of God. Let him come and kiss you and put his arms around you and embrace you by the power of total forgiveness. Let the anointing of God break every spirit of fear off you now in Jesus' name. And may you know the love of the Father so powerfully on you. Expect blessings to come on your life. Expect. Wow. We curse cancer at its very roots. Multiple types of cancer. Not just in City Church, I know. But in other parts of the world listening to this recording, when you listen to this recording, even if it's a week's time or two months' time, it will be the exact time for you to hear it. I decree and declare there will be reports that you will give to us here in Hong Kong that on the time you listen to this, cancer was cursed at its roots and ripped out and began to die. By the authority of the kingdom and in the name of Jesus, I curse every type of cancer in any person listening to this message Whatever the time of day is or night, I decree, I break that cancer off your life. I curse the spirit of death and I declare life over your physical mortal body now. And I decree cancer dissolves and turns to dust in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Congratulations on sitting through this marathon. But <laughs> Let's just stay here for a moment, Jeff. Let's just stay here. Um.